May I speak in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. There can surely be few more salutary sights or more powerful reminders of the consequences of war than to visit the countless cemeteries and battlefields of the First World War. The number of people buried around the town of Ypres alone runs into hundreds of thousands, and the names of countless others are found on a Menin gate in tribute to those whose bodies were never found. A small proportion of those who died were in their 30s and 40s, but the overwhelming majority were younger, 20-something or less. In one cemetery, there is even a grave of a 14-year-old boy, one of the numerous young teenagers who lied about their age in order to enlist. And all this is not to mention the innumerable others who were injured in the conflict, maimed or scarred for the rest of their lives. The motives of those who fought were many and varied, but the majority, majority of them unquestionably saw themselves as defending the cause of justice and freedom, just as most people in peacekeeping forces do today. Whatever our feelings on the morality or otherwise of war, it is undeniable that much of what we take for granted today is down to the willingness of past generations to pay the ultimate price. There are many memories captured from veterans of the Great War, but let me read to you a few from survivors of the Battle of Passchendaele. Here's Private Walter Green, aged 20, caught in the trenches. The captain came along and said, I'm sorry, but we're surrounded. There's three alternatives as far as I can see. We can fight it out, a lot of us being killed, or we can lay down our arms, which means we will all be captured. The only other way is every man for himself. See that church over there? If you get through, we'll meet there at 12 midnight. I was one of the few that got through. At 12 midnight, there were seven of us who had survived, seven of the 25 who had set out. Here's Lance Corporal Cecil Withers, aged 18, on sentry duty at night. It was pitch dark, and there was a chap out there in no man's land, wounded and unable to move, calling out for his mum. A Cockney private on duty with me said, it's no good him calling out for his mum, he won't see her anymore, he's gone. When your mind goes back to these occasions, they come up like a record in your head, you can't help it. It makes you very bitter. I was only 18 years old when this happened. I can still hear the voice of that dying soldier asking for his mum. Here's Private Harold Lawton, aged 19, taken prisoner. I was taken prisoner sitting on the side of a ditch, dazed after I'd been hit by shrapnel. I was taken to a fortress behind the German lines. It was a truly awful place. There was only dirty water to drink and a thin soup to eat with creepy crawlies in it. Somehow I survived. Then at home, uh, those experienced suffering of a different kind. Here's Vera Britton, a nurse in World War I, age 20, on hearing of the death of her fiancé, Roland Layton. I immediately went to visit Roland's parents. They were sitting in shocked silence. Only the ticking of their clock could be heard. On the floor beside them was a brown paper parcel they had just opened. It contained Roland's army uniform covered in blood and mud. In that moment, 
breathing in the dreadful smell, I began to understand the reality of war and the finality of death. Today, we gather to remember. In the Old Testament, the people of God, the Israelites, were forever being called by God to remember, to remember who they were, where they had come from. And it was usually at times in their life when things were going wrong. But that call to remember wasn't just about reminding themselves how they'd got into their current mess. It was also a call, more than that, a promise to a future that would be different. The vision of the prophet Micah seems remote. He dreamed that from the city of Jerusalem might go forth an instruction that people should beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks, and that nations should not lift up sword against nation, neither should they learn war anymore. A promise of a different future. It's as clear a vision in our own day as it has ever been. And God's promise for a different future is for all nations, not just for one. God asks his people to remember. And right remembering, honourable remembering, requires both honesty and vision. A century after the First World War, we have countless reasons to learn afresh that violence only begets violence, that destruction breeds resistance and further conflict. The Christian understanding of peace is more than the avoidance of war, more than the absence of conflict. It's about building relations between people, between communities, between nations, which positively and constructively create a love of neighbour founded on justice for all. And so as we commit into the gracious hands of the risen Lord those who gave their lives for their friends during the course of the First World War, and in many other conflicts over the past century. And as we honour and pray for those who offer today their lives in the service of peace and freedom, let us commit ourselves afresh to following the command of our Lord Jesus Christ, that across all barriers of division, we should love our neighbours as ourselves and work towards a different kind of future. God calls us to live that vision of the prophet Micah, to take up our future individually, as a community, and as a nation, that by our living, and not just by our words, we will remember them. Amen.